Hello everybody out there, Michael Tingsay here. We are back with the Coming Back Stronger, a special edition podcast series focusing on the way food and drinks businesses are bouncing back as the world slowly starts to reopen from COVID-19. We will especially be sharing great stories on how progressive leaders are bouncing back from the pandemic by utilizing the power of technology and delivery. By listening into these conversations in the coming period, you'll be able to pick up great stories, insights, and facts, as well as best practices from industry experts, independent operators, to national chains, who all are setting a new standard for how to operate in the new normal. Vita Mojo and Hospitality Mavericks join forces on this project due to have a shared belief on how tech plays a massive role in building companies that's good for people, communities, and the planet. In this episode, we have the very experienced operator and tech CEO Dan Brookman of Airship as a guest. Dan has more than 30 years of experience in the hospitality industry and have worked in pops and bars and building tech companies. Dan talk about how the pandemic impacted them as a tech business and what they have been doing to help operators to grow sales as well as being compliant during the pandemic. We also talk about what his views are when it comes to the future of food and drink and what role technology has in the new now. Dan gives a lot of great and practical advice, which can be implemented straight away to boost your business performance. So tune in and enjoy. Welcome to the Coming Back Stronger special podcast series. And uh, we are now in the end of August, just starting the end of August, and uh, a lot of things have gone on in the industry and uh, we had the eat out scheme. We are approaching quickly to the end of furlough and there's still a lot of activities going on. And there's a lot of businesses still bouncing back. We've been back almost now for, for two months as an industry. And for today's conversation, we're going to be talking a bit about more about digitization because there's no doubt about this is the trend that's going to be very big in optimizing hospitality businesses to to save time and also to make money, which I think is one of the key things we talk technology. And for this, I've been very lucky to get uh, Dan Brookman from Airship to join me today. So welcome, Dan, to the podcast. Thanks, Michael. This is the first time we we met during the having a conversation about this podcast. But you are what you call a veteran in the hospitality industry. You you've been with the industry for a long time and I've seen a lot of things going on. So can for people that doesn't know who you are, Dan, can you just give them a, a brief overview about who you are and what is Airship all about and what do you guys do? Sure. Okay. Um, so I've, I've worked in hospitality since I'm 18. I'm 47 now. Um, I opened my first uh, pub or I was landlord of my first pub at 22. Uh, and then I opened my first freehold at 23, uh, bought a uh, 18,000 square feet of Victorian tiles uh, in a rough part of Sheffield called Hillsborough, or rough at the time, um, and uh, opened a, a large uh, live music venue out of an old swimming pool uh, called The Deep End. Um, and during my 20s, opened, uh, had an Enterprise Inns lease. Uh, I bought a lease from uh, Cause Brewers and opened a, a venue in Chesterfield, a cocktail bar, opened a piano bar, um, a little record label, and a couple of tech companies. Uh, and then uh, turned 30 and pretty much burnt out, blew up. Uh, and the last business that I invested in and co-founded was was Airship. And we we started out as a text message business called PowerText. 
Uh, we cut our teeth in late night working for Gatecrasher and Ministry of Sound and all of the big dance brands and DJs and nightclub chains uh, before evolving uh, over the years into a more of a CRM business and uh, rebranding in 2012 as Airship. So I've had a long time in the industry and worked for hundreds of brands, um, thousands and thousands of locations and helped businesses grow into technology and social media and a whole host of different changes. Yeah, so you you know it from from both sides of the fence, both as a supplier, but also as a, as an operator. You have had many of uh, the pains your your customers have. Yeah, I think uh, uh, yeah, I yeah, I've been an operator, owner operator for for many years, uh, and really miss it. I have to say, um, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess I've molded my business around my uh, my experience and uh, continue to really try and help operators get under the skin. Of uh, of their own business and their own customers, if you like. So, just for people out there, when you say airship and technology company, what is the what is it that the, the problems you're solving with your technology? Because there's like three key challenges. I think you you, you take you take on really well. Yeah, sure. So uh, we've got two platforms, as it happens. So airship is a um, a CRM, a hospitality CRM, and what that platform does is it connects um, all of the different data. Um, from all of your other platforms. So an operator typically will have a Wi-Fi platform, a booking platform, a customer feedback platform. Um, uh, they'll also have a, an email marketing platform. Uh, now they've got a, a click and collect. They've got an order and pay. Um, they, they've obviously got their EPOS. Um, and what we do is we take all of those data points uh, and we amalgamate all of the customers from all of those points into a single customer view. Um, and, and that's a, a little bit marketing speaky stuff, but basically being able to understand um, uh, who a customer is, uh, have a little bit of a profile about them uh, and understand the recency and frequency of visit that they have within your brand uh, across your locations. Um, and then obviously be able to market to that customer in such a way that drives up their frequency of visit. And, and in, a, in effect, that's what Airship is. Um, it's a little bit like MailChimp um, as far as the email aspect of it and the customer journeys, uh, but it's uh, boosted uh, on with its, all of its data integrations that it has with 40 or 50 platforms out there and all of the, uh, the common names that you would expect to hear, Collins, Res Diary, Wireless Social, to name a few, Feed It Back, Yumpingo. And then Toggle is a platform that helps businesses generate pre-sold revenue. Um, that's pre-sold revenue through experiences, uh, gift cards, um, pay it forwards, retail products, uh, which are two new things uh, uh, which have come around since March. Um, so so that, that platform opens up this opportunity where you can be selling to customers when you're actually not even open. Right. And then uh, I picked up recently on the radar that you also have been helping with the whole track and trace challenge uh, as we have reopened hospitality and we have some guidelines for the government saying that we need to know who has been in your venues and at what date and so on and what the, who they were with. And uh, if in the case that it's proven that uh, you had an outbreak starting in, in your uh, venue. Yeah, that's right. We've responded through COVID uh, as best we can. Um, we did, we were, you know, we furloughed half of our team uh, at the outset, but we had, we kept our developers actually um, uh, as almost a, a full team of devs 
Um, and there's a couple of bits and bobs where we've responded to um, trends, um, but then obviously also to what's come out of Boris's mouth um, and him him announcing the guidance around track and trace. We responded to, um, we rolled out a solution uh, within about five days. Uh, we managed to get it live before the pubs opened on July the 4th. Um, we've been very successful with that solution, uh, um, which is which is great. We're live in around 7,000 locations uh, across the UK and a little bit of Europe now. Um, and yeah, Airship, it's called uh, Track 2. Um, so we've, we've sort of launched it as a module of Airship. Um, we're, we're averaging around 100,000 check-ins a day across those locations. And we're live in people like Costa Coffee and Pret-a-Manger and Cafe Nero, as well as Subway um and some hospitals and some football clubs and some train stations and uh, yeah thousands and thousands of places and it, it's been great that we've been able to play a part in that and also that we're um it's great to be the ceo of a technology company right now so you already mentioned a bit like you know when the pandemic had what, what happens in, in your because you get all your customers was I assume I can hear you have others than hospitality. You mentioned hospitals and train stations, but that must have been like a shock to your system as well. Like uh, from within a day, the whole picture changed and where, where, what is going to happen with my clients and what's going to go on right now in the industry? Uh, yeah. The first, the first, the first four weeks of the lockdown. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I mean, I can't believe we're sort of, five months in or whatever it is now uh, i mean it's you know you think back to th things that have happened um you know even like the loo roll the run on run on loo rolls i mean you know can you it feels like it was five years ago not five months ago uh there's so much happened in such a short period of time um yeah it was really emotional we were 100 percent hospitality on the 16th of march um, across uh, around two and a half thousand locations, uh, uh, around 200 customers or something. And it just ground to a really a whole and the emotion that was flying around at that time. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was really sad. I think that that's the thing. It was just really sad uh, because hospitality is, it's one of those industries. I mean, you know, it's so fast. Uh, it's everything moves moves at pace. It's never quiet. Um, you know, it's all about meeting. It's all about personality and about passion. And people, you know, people love the industry and they just live it and breathe it. And all of a sudden, you're told that you can't live it and breathe it anymore. Uh, uh, um, yeah, it was it was really sad. And then I think that from from the emotional point of uh, it being quite sad, it then turned into a little bit of anger. Uh, and then it turned into a little bit of a realization as to what were coming. And obviously the government were catching up and the furlough scheme kicked in and people breathed a bit of a sigh of relief. Uh, but obviously everything that everybody talks about is it's just noise because nobody really knows what's going to happen. Uh, and obviously we're so consumed with social media and content uh, right now. You can't get away from it, um, uh, you, you know, and you sort of drawn along with it. Uh, but we we furloughed half our team uh we closed our offices we started working from home we were uh and we started supporting our clients the best we could the other thing that we did uh actually which for our sanity was that we made toggle our gift card platform free um immediately so i didn't even go to my board i just posted on social media something rude a rude word and said 
if anybody wants it, crack on, you know, go and we'll get you set up and you can, um, you can use it in anger. And uh, we got loads of people just signed up with us, like loads and loads of bars and restaurants signed up with us. And uh, we've generated £850,000 worth of revenue uh, since uh, in the lockdown period uh, through goodwill of customers wanting to buy a gift card for a pub, uh, a chicken shop, uh, you know, pizza restaurant uh, around and about them uh, to help them keep, keep them afloat, you know which was just incredible. Again, a good time to be a, a CEO of a tech company, you know? Yeah, that's that's also, again, because then you were, you, in a way, you were helping these individual operators. Everything matters in these kind of situations or definitely, you know, every penny always matters, but definitely in this situation, like, that's probably have helped a lot of restaurants uh, just having that, knowing that, that there's actually people out there that, 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 that want us to stay and that maybe also gives you them it's not only the financial, but also the mental uh, push you need to to believe in the in in some kind of future at that point. Yeah, there was so much goodwill that came out. I mean, you know, it really does take a crisis to bring out the best, uh, often in human nature. And the rally around, um, you know, we had a um, Crust Brothers in London, the pizza uh, pizza shop. You know, they just started supplying pizzas to the local NHS. Um, and they just went out to their social channels and they set it up on Toggle and said, you know, just buy a pizza for the local NHS. And I think they did 300 pizzas in 24 hours. And they, they just delivered them to the local hospitals. They just went there and said, do you want a load of free food? And they went back with, you know, tons of pizzas and people set up and uh, just doing like, uh, collecting money in the community for PPE, uh, for community groups to make PPE, and Leon did their launch of, uh, you know, of Feed Britain, you know, really early days, and they went out and they just generated tons of cash to uh, 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 deliver food locally and open kitchens in Nottingham. That that business that's still absolutely flying, where they were basically just commandeering kitchens to make food to deliver locally and there's been hundreds and hundreds of examples where people have it's not even a pivot it's just the need to be able to go out and do and and do something help and you know it's there's no it's just just the need to be able to do that uh, and the want of doing it yummy pubs again and only a pavement away and i don't know there's just been so much of it and it's just been so incredible to see yeah, and uh, I guess also the importance of all this, you say, care, you can boil it down to caring for others. And, 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 and the typical, when you're in hospitality, also you have two things. You want to serve and feed people. It's deeply in you. You want to do that. Uh, and I, I did the, 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 the most important, I talked with a guy yesterday, and he said he's called Ed, and he's a local operator in Brighton where I live. And he said, like, the most important is that we remember we have to keep on serving the communities and the people that's around us because they're going to need our help whatever we can i said i know that there's spare there's spare cash but we need to see how we can help so he's also got involved in things he would not involve in before helping the council to feed homeless people and so on and it's it's beautiful to see that actually what what a crisis as you could say can get out of people and what kind of uh, you know energy and care it actually brings and I think that an acknowledgement as well to the hotel sector, you know, they opened their doors up 
um, uh, to uh, the people on the front lines so that they didn't have to go back home. And I mean, you know, some of those nurses and doctors living away from their families for weeks, you know, for months um, uh, and, and just isolating themselves after they've finished a long shift. I mean, it's just honestly, I, I'm, I'm, I'm welling up as we're talking about it. Um, just, you know, I hope that we've got a very good record of it. Um, you know, I'm sure there's some projects out there recording the, the good stuff that people did. Uh, so we don't forget it uh, because it has been quite incredible. And the journey on, you can say, bouncing back, what you have been doing is actually launching products or pivoting some of the things within the platform, the solving relevant problems for, for the operators and, and, and also for the communities. So you're able to donate and so on. What, what have you seen? You know, we just talked about, you know, the, the help that some many operators did out of doing the local community and some stories we probably not even heard yet. Uh, Leon's uh, big, big uh, contribution to Feed Britain and so on. There's probably more than we actually have uh, on the radar. There's, a, there's almost like a, a picking up those stories, as you say. But what else have you seen that, like, you know, the really savvy operator, the, the progressive operators are doing right now out there? Because you see so many businesses from your table and data. Uh, what what are you seeing they've been doing and what are they up to right now? It'd just be interesting just to touch that shortly. Yeah, sure. Um. So, so hats off to Leon, uh, first and foremost, they were probably one of the first and then Coates restaurants, um, came sort of a close second and, uh, and that's pivoting their business to provide, um, an at home brand. Uh, and I think that pizza pilgrims as well, uh, hats off to those guys, Rudy's pizzas, Manchester, um, and so many more, you know, I think even Hawksmoor started doing it and Goodman and and what what again, uh, Honest Burger as well, those guys. And and, you know, I, it's it's quite hard this because as I'm saying these names, I'm thinking actually there's there's hundreds of little guys down there that have been doing this stuff and they might listen to this and go, oh, we've been doing that for years anyway. But taking your operation, taking your products that you sell uh, this, the food that you serve, the drinks that you serve and packaging that stuff up and launching it as a, an online business um, uh, and learning the packaging, designing the packaging, working out the refrigeration, setting up an e-commerce website, uh, sorting out the operation of that, drafting people back off furlough and putting them into teams uh, and then launching that and then getting people. I mean, obviously, we're all locked down and everybody's just desperate for desperate for normality and actually then getting something delivered to your door um, that just reminds you of something that you could have done normally a month ago or two months ago, uh, which was sit down in coat restaurants and have a, a lovely meal or, you know, visit your favorite, uh, visit a Leon um, or, you know, get a pizza uh, from Pizza Pilgrims and actually make it yourself with your family while looking at photos on their Instagram channel or watching Instagram TV. I think the transition from the brand on the high street and people's favorite brands uh, to actually then doing something at home. Um, you know, I think that's been incredible. I think that that's, you know, if there's one thing from all of this that I really, really hope it's that elite bistro uh, will still do cook along at home kits uh, after everything gets back to normal next year when there's a vaccine and all of that stuff. Um, uh, that I can still potentially order a cocktail kit off Revolution Bars 
uh, and have it delivered to my house because I'm actually having a bit of a party at home. Um, so I think that that's I think that's the the main thing that I just love because it's a, the margins are tight anyway. So you you know if you've just opened up a new channel, which is basically um, at home, um, it's not delivery. Uh, it's actually you know providing a kit for people to do it at home. You've got delivery as well um, and takeaway, and now you've just added a new channel, which is you know allows the brand to be seen all the time. That has been uh, interesting. How quickly actually that could be come in place, as you said, for for many operators, like really responding that for fast and changing a lot of operational setups. And I and th- this has been one of the you know it's been a horrible journey and still is. But this has been one of the things I've been very fascinated about again and see how much is speed and innovation uh, to get things done when it needs to. And you can take some of that into the future and actually use that to actually make the industry more agile and more profitable and all the things that actually needs to become a bit more viable. So it's not as, uh, you know, so it's not as shaky when things happen. Uh, I think that would be a really good thing because uh, that that's what what I think is one of the positives that came out. And I think the eat at home, uh, I will be very surprised if that would change because people's behaviors have changed. We want we want to consume things at home. We want to have experiences uh, within a restaurant environment and outside. And actually, what we do is actually we're not buying in only to their location. We're buying into their story, and we want to take that story home, of course, as well. Chefs now uh, and, and brands you know, they have this opportunity to speak on a one-to-one basis with many customers at once uh, through their social channels. And all all that's happened uh, through lockdown was that they just extended that. I don't know what D that would be. It's like 5D, isn't it? All of a sudden, it's like you can you you can hear you can hear them, you can see them, you can talk to them, and everything else. But actually, then what you're doing is you've got two bottles of spirits in front of you, um, a, a lime, some mint, uh, a shaker, and actually you're you're making cocktails with them. Uh, and, but you're also doing that on a Zoom call. Uh, and you're doing it with uh, 200 other people as well, all at the same time, and sharing that ex- same experience. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's 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 really good stuff um, because that's the way it was kind of going anyway. It almost makes it, it just better uh, because it's a bit more real. I totally agree. I totally agree. It's that thing again that you uh, we've gone from this mass communication, as you said, to like uh, to suddenly. It's much more about, you know, your products is important, your standards important, but it's about this story people re- and people really want to buy into. So I've seen that locally as well, where the local uh, different restaurant has gone with some home products as well. And, and they've been able then to tell their, have time to tell their story, why they actually set up the business and so on. And, and one of them has been really overwhelmed. They have not opened yet because it's just too small. There's, there's some, some complexity around that. But people are booking so many uh, tables in advance. So they just know they're going to be driving when they open. And then they just want that story back because they told this lovely story about they built this restaurant for their mom. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then it comes out, it comes from the heart. And people want to support that. you know. And they, and they make incredible food besides that. Uh, so, so for people out there, it's Mandu's I'm talking about in, in Brighton. Absolutely amazing place. Uh, only, only room for twenty people at the time. So yeah, yeah. With, there's a, a restaurant in Sheffield called Rafters, 
um, which is a toggle customer of ours, and he he did the at home kits. Um, and I think that you know he he ended up with queues outside going to pick up their kits on a Friday and a Saturday to then follow him on Instagram TV and his chefs cooking them at home or in the gardens. You know, uh, yeah, it's 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 great. It's great. I mean, it's it's people being entrepreneurs. You know, it's people uh, surviving. Uh, and 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 doing the best they can to survive, and and often in recession and, and in times of crisis, obviously it's about innovation, uh, and that's what we've seen. I agree. From you being sitting in the chair of a CEO as a technology company, what is the what? How do you see technology's role in boosting performance in in the, in the industry? What is the the reality of where we are right now? I think that's the second question within that. It's clear to see that we've jumped ahead a couple of years with the use of technology. QR codes, I mean, they, it's just, you just can't get rid of them. Um, uh, it's uh, it's quite an amazing thing, you know. Um, I think that nine years ago, I worked for Marston's and I did a big trial for Marston's Brewery um, where we were looking to drive new data. And uh, around that time, it was uh, a little bit of email, but mainly text message, actually. And what we did is we set up a trial and we uh, sent loads of Marston's pub Uh, badges, QR badges uh, uh, for their staff to wear. Uh, and we we set it all up and it was quite an expensive campaign to set up and we did all the tech and everything and we sent out these badges um, and all of the staff put on the badges. And all that happened on the first night was that basically um, blokes took pictures um, of bar staff's chests <laughs> uh, and uh, the next day it got pulled <laughs> <laughs> um, but the QR is back uh, and uh, probably back to stay now. Um, so we've jumped ahead a couple of years and um, what we've got is a situation which is pretty cool, actually, in that you've got a lot of different new technology out there or existing technology which is being adopted more quickly, um, such as pay at table, uh, such as click and collect. Um And and what that enables is it, it closes the loop uh, with CRM and it closes the loop more so than uh, for more businesses than EPOS has been able to do previously. So we saw just before uh, uh, the pandemic, um, obviously kiosks starting to play a role a little bit more. Um, and that was always a bit weird for me because, you know, it seemed to detract from the actual service that you were receiving because You know, you go to McDonald's or something and you'd end up queuing for a kiosk uh, and then you'd queue for your order. But because there was a screen above the servers that actually had your ticket on, uh, your number on, you'd be quite happy to queue. Um, and now, actually, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that kiosks die a death a little bit because you've got the kiosk in your hand and it's your mobile phone. And actually, if you can in engage and place an order, Uh, and, and even sit down and place an order. Even, you know, I'm not looking to, I don't want it ever to get rid of servers. I don't want to, you know, I think that the one-to-one -one relationship in hospitality is absolutely paramount. But in some scenarios, I think that obviously people just want to be able to leave at the end of a meal. They don't want to sit around and wait for the bill. They just want to be able to pay and leave. And I also think that people spend more money uh, when they're just doing it through their mobile phone. Uh, and I know there's some decent stats around that, uh, that prove that's the case. So I think that this, the, the, what's, what's changed is that the, the customer's a little bit more centered now around the proposition. 
Um, uh, I think that the uh, technology has opened up. Um, I think that new technology around click and collect and pay at table um, um, elevates the customer's position and that digital is taking a little bit more of the fore forefront uh, around operations. And I think that what operators will see is that they'll eventually get a, a, a much better overall operation because some customers will be more bothered than other customers um, about the one-to-one -one relationship with them and their server uh, over technology. Um, but what will really happen is that the data behind uh, a business is that much more enhanced um, from it's a, it's another touch point basically and you know we have integrations with well with vita mojo uh where we get the basket data you know we know they've sat down we know what they've ordered we know if it's click and collect we know if it's at pay at table we know if it's kiosk for that matter uh, we know if it's for delivery um and that with all of the other data that's coming in from wi-fi and booking and feedback and unique codes and pre-sold uh is just a massive data enhancement really yeah, and data is a very interesting thing because, uh, you know, a hospitality, is, you being an operator yourself, it's, it's, it's sometimes very emotional and it's very based on gut and not fact. And, uh, and again, and having the right data is often half the trick, as I always say. So, yeah, it's great you have a lot of data in your systems, but do they actually give you the picture you need to have to know if you're winning or losing the game, short and long term? Because one thing is revenue, another thing is profit. And one thing is these customers come again and again, but is this really the right customer for your brand and so on and so on. There's so many when you start to distill data and actually you make a lot of bad decisions not looking at it. I met people that doesn't even look at their data. And I think eat out the sales is a great example here on data because I've heard so many say, oh, yeah, we are much we are up on last year. And then when they really sit down and look at it, they just moved sales around a bit and created extra pressure on the operation. So maybe eat out has been good right here and now, but exactly it's going to give them that long term. They actually can't say because it's just a bit like uh, it's just a bit like so we have something to be busy with. As I said to some for some operators and for some operators this has been great. I know that, but for a fact many of them have just pushed more pressure on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, certainly. There's look, the, the, you know, there's no getting away from the fact that there is a um, a lot of exhaustion in the industry right now. You know, uh, there's there's some really frayed nerves uh, and it's really strange, isn't it? Because we've come from this period of lockdown where most people were on furlough uh, and then we've launched into sort of reopening and getting things back up to scratch. And then we've got the eat out to help out, which is all of a sudden it's like Christmas um, uh, and customers, but you need to do it with social distancing. Um, and all of a all of a sudden, you know, I'm hearing I'm hearing literally today. I spoke to a restaurant group who said actually they don't want the government to extend it. Uh, they'd actually be better if the government brought it back in October, and September was almost a bit of a break, uh, and they didn't extend it into September because they are getting a little bit frayed around the edges, and also consumers are getting a little bit uh, a little bit needy with it. Um, what what I'd say finally about that is. It has to have been good for the business because the customers that have visited within the period, there's got to be new customers there. And if they've done their job, that business, and they've captured those customer details, either through the booking 
or through the Wi-Fi or indeed through track and trace or through customer feedback following visit, then they can immediately engage that customer on a good customer journey. Um, and they've got their data uh, and they should be looking at those customers and those new customers as future prospects and doing all of the good stuff like the birthday marketing and the welcome journeys uh, and potentially running their own campaigns to ensure a revisit within a, a certain amount of time. Yeah, and I, I think that's that, that's the operator that really have leveraged this has, because I had talked with somebody this morning. He has really planned this really well and said that I accept this is going to take a bit of a toll on the operation, but I'm going to get clients in or customers from the city. I normally wouldn't come in, maybe because of the price point, he said. Now they don't have that. They will come and try and find out this is actually where it's coming from. So they, they, he, he's actually, he's overstaffed and, you know, made sure that, as you say, that the experience is incredible good, like it was Saturday, you know, and he's just accepted this an investment into the years ahead, as he said, where it's going to be even harder acquiring new, new people. This is a bit like a marketing stunt. That's how he looked at it. So I agree, if you use it in the right way and uh, just don't get busy for the sake of busy, then you, you can leverage that and you have some data afterwards, as you said. Um, another interesting conversation that's going on and has gone on for years is the, the, the industry is a bit sometimes a bit in the dark ages with the come with technology and the connectivity of that technology. And I know you also, we had a bit of a chat about that before we did the podcast. Um, what is it that is important around technology now that we are, at least, as you said, we move forward, we are heading two years forward where we were in our planning. What is it that important now as we then have implemented all these different platforms and we go into the new now? I'm a bit, a bit of a broken record on this uh, and people that know me will sort of glance upwards, but the platforms, they have to be integrated. So I think technology lets itself down and I've done it in the past, um, you know, put my hands up to it, but we, we let ourselves down because we overpromise and underdeliver. And in a lot of ways, that might not be around functionality, but it's actually around integration with other platforms. And the customer experience um, is so much more enhanced and so much better when platforms uh, talk to each other. And in a lot of ways, platforms are, are competitive between each other. Um, but I think that where an operator takes on platforms to do a specific job, uh, and there's probably six um, or seven within each uh, within a business uh, that they use on a daily basis, maybe more than that, actually, maybe up to 10 now, um, that the, all the, the, those platforms, they have to integrate together. Um, they, you know, it, it makes operations easier. It makes the um, customer experience so much better. Uh, and it makes the, the marketing so much more effective if platforms integrate. So, uh, I would say to any business out there that's looking to take on a platform, uh, just make sure that it integrates first with the platforms that you have in your business or that you're planning to use in your business. Because if it doesn't, all it will do is set you back uh, and cost you money uh, and create a poor operational and, and customer experience. Uh, yeah, and I think this, again, we're connecting the things, again, not just from a data point of view, but also to understand how you actually 
getting the full leverage of your digitizing your business. Because I, in my world, this is one of the massive, if I was the CEO of a chain, that would be my priority number one. If it was not already on the radar, this is like where I can actually get a bit of a, you know, room, either win time back or cut costs or actually even create sales. If you think about sell, selling a gift uh, cards uh, in advance. Uh, and I think that's the that's the key thing. You always have to understand. I found out very quickly implementing technology into to restaurants was that if it can save you time or make you money, then it's a brilliant software. But you need to know how it plays with the rest of the business and the the way you actually run that business. How do you get it integrated into your daily ways of doing things? A bit like any other tool, if it's a checklist or whatever it is. How do we actually get it under the skin? And I think that's the work that sometimes slips the implementation, the integration, and really becoming a habit. And that's not because the tech doesn't work. It's actually sometimes because you you don't do the, you just say it's implemented, check the checkbox, and you move on. Yeah, I think that look, as people get used to using their phones and uh, using click and collect, and, you know, I, I tr- truthfully, I absolutely love it because um, I love the engagement with teams and with staff and, and uh, 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 when I go out. But actually, when, you know, if I'm on my own, if I'm traveling on, on business or anything like that, and I just wander into somewhere, I open, sit down, I open my laptop, I get my phone, um, you know, I, I find the um, order and pay, I scan the QR, whatever, uh, and I get to it. Uh, it's almost like that experience of just using my thumbs uh, and just being able to do it on a mobile phone. You need to... It's. <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how to explain this best, but if you think about going to a website and a lot of operators' websites, they're not as intuitive. They're just not intuitive um, as the mobile phone. The website doesn't remember me. I'm not logging into it. Um, it you know, if I click a link from an email, uh, it's not taking me to a page that says, "Hi Dan, when do you want to book?" It's like you know the digital aspect of the mobile phone. Uh, it just needs to be carried through the business a little bit more so that the customer is more at the center of it. And I think that most customers would really appreciate that. Uh, they'd really appreciate the acknowledgement, uh, which is the same as you get if you go online and you're on Amazon or, you know, it's like they just know us, basically. Uh, yeah, and it is interesting, that thing you say, Amazon is a great example of where and uh, where you could have an ambition, vision to take your business about. I, I love the the one click payment. It's like one of my favorites. I don't have to go through all these steps to pay. And I, I can remember how many times I haven't been on a website where the payment has been the issue, and therefore I didn't buy it yet because I just couldn't. There's nothing wrong with my credit card. I just can't deal with this anymore. Uh, uh, and where Amazon really sold that, and I think they you'll probably be surprised about how much their revenue, I don't know the number, but it must have gone crazy when they solved that challenge uh, in a way from a customer experience point of view. Found my product, swipe it, I get it next day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Taking it a big up to the, a further away from uh, just focusing on technology and the future in that and where we are right now, if we go down in and talk about how do you see, you spend all your life in food and drink. What do you think the future look, uh, looks like? And I know it's a, incredible difficult or maybe a bit an unfair question in these times but what is your what is your view and how you see that's going to happen in the next 12 to let's keep it 12 to 18 months uh besides it's a very tough time right now and a lot of uncertainty it's all it's all down to when the vaccines actually developed and rolled out isn't it i mean i'm hoping i i really hope that that we manage to nail down the next six months 
um, uh, uh, through winter, so we we don't need to do a national lockdown. Um, we know that there's going to be more consolidation. We know that there's going to be a lot of closures uh, uh, in the industry. We also know that there's obviously a lot of people now turning to dark kitchens uh, and doing more and more sort of dark kitchens and delivery only black brands. Uh, and I think that obviously that will have a, a big increase again uh, and have more of an impact uh, as people get used to eating at home. So I think that the occasions to go out will decrease. Um, obviously, we're not back in our offices yet, so the commuting isn't a thing yet. But I'm hoping hopefully that will come about as well. Um, but we, <laughs> yeah, it's a really hard question that. Um, it really depends where you are in the country. You know, I think that London's going to suffer for ages. I really do. I'm really fearful for, for London because I think a lot of these businesses, I think that uh, Google has said, don't bother coming back till next July, you know, work from home. And I think in that period, uh, so many businesses are just going to go, we get better productivity when we let our staff work from home. Um, I mean, it's, you know, there's no two ways about it. If I don't have to travel for three hours a day, uh, a commute, and I can start at my laptop earlier, um, whether I've got little kids running around or dogs or whatever in the background, I, I still get a, probably a better day's work uh, from my team. So, uh, yeah, I think that that's a really big worry. Um, I hope that the businesses that are doing the at-home products and that more businesses do at-home products um, and even more subscription businesses around uh, at-home as well, um, and because I think that that will be good. Uh, a, a good innovation for hospitality uh, to be more at home. Um, and hopefully uh, we will see uh, another breed of entrepreneurs coming through uh, to take up some of the slack. Um, uh, just doing, yeah, just evolving that idea, really. Just evolving that idea. I think that would be good. Yeah, and I think the last thing you say is that if it, you look at it, it's going to be a lot of hardship, but there's also going to be massive opportunities for for the people with the right solutions to with the right response to COVID. As I said to other people, it's about how you respond to this and how you can respond. And, it, it, and now, now than ever, I just talked with a friend of mine. I said, "Well, it's allowed to operate out of a hole in the wall now again. We are back to." Where, where it started 10, 10, 15 years ago when some of the brands we know today started out, you know, in last recession, there was like people doing incredible things. And I think here you will see massive innovation. I even talked with a, a catering company that talked about, yeah, we can see now that the way the office is going to come back uh, is there's an element of uh, cities near, near the M25. It's going to have more regional offices. So, Big corporates going to have uh, teams in regional offices where they're going to rent a bit of space, get rid of the expensive space in London, maybe have a couple of floors in London as the HQ. But in principle, you work from a regional office if you can't work from home because of kids and other commitment, don't have the space. You can go to your regional office uh, and, and they would have to go and deliver and cater, become a delivery business more than an on-site catering business. Um, and there's so many big shifts happening right now that yeah, the, I think we're going to rewrite the way we do things. And I think that's the hard bit. I think, I think that one of the most important things here is that um, customers are going to be more loyal. Um, uh, so I think that they're going to really quickly trust where they go to eat uh, and where they go and have a drink and visit. 
uh, and I think they're going to stick to that uh, because of the uh, because I think that that's going to be you know it's going to be a really big part of it in the next three months and six months and I think that that will probably stick with people so they will probably go back to having favorites um, uh, that they always go to uh, and they're less likely to try something different uh, you know it'll need quite a large sway for them quite a uh, you know a lot of word of mouth for them to actually go and try something different um, and you know we must remember in hospitality that we live and breathe it um, and we're not the, we're not the average consumer and we've got to think about ourselves as the average consumer and the average consumer they want to go out they want to feel safe they want to know it's clean they want to have great service they want to have a great product uh, and you know it wants to be an experience because people are going out a little bit less you know so uh so it's really operations going to be absolutely the key and whether that's a digital uh digital feel good factor in that i can order ahead i can sit down i can order at my table you know the food's good the service is good everything's amazing uh, and then i can instagram i can review i can leave and then i can book in for the following week and come back again yeah i think that's going to be a big thing it's interesting because we are at the bottom of a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, as you you say here, because it's about trust. You know, trust in the basic things that works and act. And you make you you show me that both with the location, but also in the way you you welcome me, the way your digital things. It all has to be combined in a way. Um, I, I talked with it. It was a couple of weeks, probably six weeks ago, just in the start of the COVID. And I said to this operator, are you aware that on your website, you don't tell that you're doing all the things in your restaurant, yet you are COVID proofing it? Because the first thing I would check before I would go anywhere, I would check the website, see your policy to make sure my family was safe. Oh, my God. And again, there's like these things again, think it through the whole customer journey and then build that trust now to leverage it later when you need them to come again. And visit you so you get these uh, repeat customers because i think you're right if people find something that works they will stick with it because there's enough uncertainty yeah and there's there's choice out there there is choice you know i went out on uh, uh monday evening to the local pub with my family and um <laughs> they presented the tomato ketchup and the mayonnaise and the salt and vinegar it came in a little wooden box uh, and it was heinz products or whatever and my my wife was really unhappy because she knew that they weren't cleaning down those bottles. Uh, and she was like, immediately, why aren't they doing this in a little pot? You know, and there's so many things to kind of get right and think about. And then I said to her, they're cleaning down the bottom, the, the bottles and they had a little station around the corner and they were actually wiping down the bottles every time, you know, they'd come back. But people are, there's so much fear out there. Um, whether it's correct or not, there is a lot of fear, uh, and it is about trust, making the consumer uh, feel safe, uh, uh, giving them a great experience for their money. Um, yeah, absolutely. Great, great. If uh, in the end of the conversation, uh, Dan, and we unfortunately started to get there, uh, is uh, because this is a great conversation. I think that people are getting a lot of stuff out there. But I always in the end, I always ask somebody to give their top three advice to leaders out there that's looking to bounce back. And you have, you know, such a, a heavy background. And I know you haven't been in a pandemic. Nobody has been there. But what would be be your top three advice for, for people out there in the industry right now and what should they start doing or should they review 
if they're already doing it? Number one is uh, sweat your channels. So there's, it's not just a three revenue opportunities anymore. There's so many revenue opportunities, whether that be uh, Deliveroo or Uber Eats or uh, doing it yourself, um, whether it be click and collect, um, whether it's doing retail or, or gift cards or experiences or packages or bottomless lunches, whether it's selling to corporates and doing parties or hiving off a bit of your uh, venue as a private space or even doing outside catering. Um, I think it's looking at those different revenue channels and being entrepreneurial um, as to uh, what you do with those revenue channels and making sure that you're not dropping the ball on them as well, um, uh, because it, it's really easy to do so. Um, uh, so number two would be sweating the CRM. Uh, and you've got all of these new customers um, coming into your businesses with eat out to help out, and uh, I'm not sure when this podcast's going out, um, but um, you've still, you know, you've got a CRM. Hopefully, you've got a CRM, and you've got some social channels, and just make sure you leverage them, uh, and that you're doing the basics, that you've got your birthday marketing set up, that you've got a really good value exchange, um, and the value exchange is uh, really simple. It's 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 nothing technology based, really. Actually, it's about brand, and it's about um, the customer understanding why you're collecting their data and wherever you're collecting that data from. So whether it's through your website or through um, the pay at table app, whether it's through customer feedback or through Wi-Fi or through booking, um, it's immediately taking that customer in, engaging with them through great comms like an email uh, uh, the day after they join saying, welcome, this is who we are. This is the club you're now part of, and this is what you're going to get. And lay it out really simple, and and lay it out simply across those first point, which is those uh, the channels and your revenue opportunities. Um, so that would be number two, and number three. I'm, you know, it's it's not it's not my bag, but operationally, just the staff on the ground, uh, just you know, train them to the nth degree and make sure that that last two feet. Um, that they're having with the customer is just amazing uh, and that they're engaging the customer the best possible way uh, that they can, uh, the teams um, in your businesses, because everything else is just a nonsense if if your teams on the ground aren't as passionate uh, uh, in what they're doing um, as they can possibly be. And I know that that's a really hard thing to get right, uh, but that last two feet uh, of your your team member engaging with the customer is is critical. That was uh, some great advice, especially I liked all of them, but especially I did think about sweating and I like and also keeping at it when you're doing something new. We talked a bit about the, the at home experience. It's again, again, accepting also it takes time to build this credibility within a new channel. So if it doesn't take off straight away and say oh, it didn't work. Exactly the importance of keep on doing it. If you have people buying it now, there are probably more people out there. And, you, and again, I, I I totally agree with you from a marketing point of view. The, the newsletter is sometimes a forgotten strategy to acquire both old customers or existing customers to come more often. If it's a restaurant, whatever you're doing, the power of newsletter is uh, or email or CRM marketing is incredible, powerful because they they signed up by their own intent. And I think we forget that sometimes, how powerful that database, no matter how many you have, if you have a 10 or 100, 1,000, these are people that want to hear from you. They want you to tell them more. Yeah, the data uh, is the bedrock of the business. 
absolute bedrock of the business. And GDPR made email marketing uh, and uh, database marketing so much more transparent. Uh, and it's not really been um, uh, embraced as much as it should have been. Uh, uh, but running a simple friends of, family, club, A-list, VIP list, whatever you want to call it, wrap up that database effort into one single thing and then mold your marketing around it. And you suddenly find that it's 10 times easier. I totally agree. And I think there's a, I just want to say the last notes of that because I thought it was so interesting of bringing that up. Actually, I've never thought about that. Is this such a, right now, starting building that community, as you say, the your your brand advisors or whatever you call them. So if there's a book out there, I don't know if you know this book, Dan, but it's, a, it's done by uh, David Hyatt. He runs a Hyatt Jeans in, in Wales, and he's built his whole business on email marketing. And you can get that. It's called Do Do Email, I think it's called. And and go and find that book and read this opera. Very easy read, but it's like super concrete example of how you actually engage with your 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 customer groups with, when you have the data and how actually how you utilize it. So yeah, that was a great example. I thought people should have a bit of that. Dan, it's been an absolutely pleasure to talk with you and uh, getting your insights and uh, advice about where you think things are from an industry point of view, how to leverage the technology bit as well. Thank you so much for taking the time out. And I sent all the power and energy that you and your team needs to to get on, on the, the other side whenever we get there. Thanks, Michael. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much, Dan, for your great insights and knowledge about how tech can help to boost performance in the businesses you're running out there. And also your advice about how to survive and thrive in the new now. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, share it with people you think would benefit from it, rate it, and let us know what you think. The Coming Back Stronger series are brought to you by the wonderful people at VitaMojo, the digital partners for ambitious operators. We're helping Leon, Yo Sushi, PharmaJ, and other leading brands transform their businesses with technology. Check them out at software.vitamojo.com or contact them directly at nick.lidl at vitamojo.com. Thanks for listening and keep innovating.